Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. Hey Siri, what day is WWDC? The Worldwide Developers Conference, WWDC, will be held June 13th through June 17th in San Francisco. I can't wait. Yeah, so that's our big news this week. Is Siri pre-announced uh, the dub dub dates, and then uh, today the lottery opened up, or yesterday actually. Yeah, we actually benefited from recording late this week. It wasn't uh, wasn't on purpose, but we uh, got a little scoop, so that's cool. Yeah, the two of you have registered for the lottery. Yeah. I- Debated yesterday, but ended up putting my name in for the lottery last night. Yeah, my name is in there. My hotel is booked. Good to go. I've not booked hotel yet. I'm kind of waiting, but I'll yeah, do it soon just to be safe. I'm in the waiting camp on the the booking. I just I feel like Apple's gonna have a block of rooms for each hotel that they've got, and if you get in there early enough, you'll get a, a decent hotel. Yeah, like I don't think I've ever had trouble getting a, a decent hotel, and they do have discounted rates. Right. Yeah, if they do that, I can always uh, cancel my current hotel if there's a good deal. Yeah, I, I'm I, all about the deals. <laughs> I think the benefit of booking early is, in part, if you plan to go, whether or not you get tickets to yeah. the main event. Right. And... There are people that are actually deciding that it's too expensive and they're they're skipping. Just the hotel alone will run you more than your conference ticket. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Unless That's, you double up. Yeah, true. And there are definitely cheaper, more economical places to stay than the ones uh, that you hear about most often. But in these days. The hotel prices could be in the 300s to 400s uh, without too much trouble. And the prices go up as the event gets closer. I think people were seeing the prices jump up already this week. Yeah, they were cheaper last week, I believe. Yeah, I know. A lot of people booked their hotel several weeks ago, if not months ago. Just kind of predicting based on schedules for Moscone when it's going to be. The yeah, I was smart. I booked at the peak of the frenzy. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so we might see the price go down when people cancel their reservations after the lottery, but we'll see. Yeah, I'll keep my eye out. <laughs> and you know, some of it also depends on what other conferences are going on around the same time. Uh, a lot of times you see Google I.O. Uh, roughly a, f- a week or so between... Guayo and WWDC. Yeah, but they're they're much earlier this year. Yeah, and they're not actually in San Francisco this year. They're having the oh, yeah. event um, in Mountain View, which will be interesting because I don't know if Mountain View is really set up for five thousand people to show up and eat in restaurants and stay in hotels and. <laughs> Isn't IO ten thousand as well? Because they always get the bigger part of Moscone. Yeah, well, I don't know what it is this year, but it definitely yeah, I don't know. in the past has been bigger. 
I thought it was still around 5,000. And tickets are very much in demand for that as well. But I, I think they have a lot of, in addition to like the main 5,000, I think they have a lot of like special tickets they hold off for like alumni, people who've been uh, every year or a good number people of years. People just love the free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the organizers for like Google Developer Group get tickets. And so I, I know there's some, in addition to like general mission they have tickets they reserve that go beyond that that initial batch so i think it is a mm -hmm. slightly bigger event but i don't know if it's quite ten thousand. yeah but, even apple has those special categories they don't have the yeah. the every year alumni category but yeah they have the press with and then they have the student scholarships and they have the stem program and uh several other things that go on so Apple, you're right. Apple does go beyond the five thousand they of, that they advertise for general yeah. purchase. And I've heard too of organizations going through back channels and getting tickets before as well. Oh yeah, th there's definitely enterprise tickets that are reserved for big customers of Apple, um, which is pretty common practice. But uh, yeah, it, as far as I can tell, there's not good. It's still going to be about the same size. There's still Moscone West this year. Uh, the Moscone North and South can hold a lot more than 5,000. So they sold Java 1 there, and I think Java 1 peaked at 40,000 attendees. Yeah, but then, then again, if they start doing that in all the different sessions that they'll have, those rooms will be so big. Yeah, they're it, they're already large rooms to start with, and and they get packed. Five thousand might not be that bad. I, I I'm kind of curious how the demand this year compares to previous years. I don't know if it's continuing to increase or if things people are starting to kind of hold off and not spend their money going to WWDC, but save the their conference dollars for other events or you know maybe the popularity of the developer conferences has gone down i don't know now it could, could still be going up well for the cost that it would take you to go to wwdc you can probably pick up two conferences for that price just just the ticket alone for most of these other conferences are half of that yeah the Hotel and travel, again, maybe not travel, but the hotel, half of that. So you definitely could spend your money elsewhere, but you won't be in that same group with everybody else where you're, you know, you're around 5,000 other Apple developers and lots of other people that want to meet you, which that's a large number. So you're just kind of one little grain of sand on the beach, but whereas you can be a boulder among other boulders at these, <laughs> that's a bad analogy, but, but you can keep be going, a, Sam. I love it. Yeah. It's getting philosophical here now, but <laughs> these smaller conferences, you have a much better opportunity to network on a more meaningful level than you do with 5,000 of your closest friends. Right. Yeah, yeah, 
I, you know, it's a totally different experience going to WWDC than going to a lot of these other conferences and kind of depends on what you're looking for. The sessions at WWDC are very technical and packed with information. And unfortunately, a lot of it is things that you can't use for another, <laughs> another year until <laughs> another year. Yeah. Um, the version of iOS that they're talking about comes out or looking at some of the comments, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Apple Watch and tvOS sessions, uh, in addition to iOS and Mac. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. They m- missed out on their opportunity last year to show off the TV. Yeah. They, they had were, their, uh, traveling, the like mini tech- conference where they had a lot of those sessions, but yeah, yeah the right. tech talks. Which are those videos all online now? Yes. Yep. I think we talked about it in the past. I couldn't remember if they all went up or if they yeah, were staggered. Yeah, they all went up. I don't think there was a lot of interest just just because the the App Store sales have not been explosive on TVOS. So, not sure if the device has been explosive yet, yet or. Will be. I feel like they've sold a lot of devices, or at least there's a lot of devices in the hands, at least of developers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to see how, how that plays out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's different about DubDub this year is the keynotes in a new location. So they're actually holding the keynote at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium. So, and as well as the State of the Union. Is so that it, where they launched one of the the most recent products? I think I, I have a feeling that they've done some sort of product announcement there. I don't I don't know which one. Uh, but normally it's the keynote and State of the Union is in uh Moscone as well. Um but on the top floor. On the top floor. So everybody kinda crams into one really big room and then they have an overflow room. Um and really the rest of Moscone's just reserved for the, the line to get seated. Uh, so <laughs> it probably makes sense since everybody's in the same room to, to have a different venue. So they don't have to pay for the all of Moscone. Yeah, it seems like it'll be nice. I mean, it sounds like that place seats like 6,000 people, so there should be plenty of seats for everyone to get in if they want to. That would and be nice. more comfortable seats than... Everyone sitting like on this big flat floor, which always happens at Dub Dub at the keynote, yeah, or anywhere or any of the talks. But yeah, I think it'll be a better experience. They don't need to worry about the room turnover because they take that giant room and cut it down into a few other rooms for the next day. Yeah, I'm sure they've got that part down. That's probably not a big deal, but yeah, yeah. it's definitely. I think it'll be a, a good change. Hopefully, we'll see some cool stuff. Yeah, hopefully no dancing, no Apple <laughs> music. Um, but we'll we'll talk about our our wish list for WWDC on a on a future episode as we get closer to the event. I don't know. I could deal with Eddie Q doing some more moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, may, maybe the that whole uh, fake fake out thing they did last year that was at an auditorium. Maybe they'll actually do it live this time instead of just as a as a tape. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Wouldn't it be cool if they were able to drive their new car up on stage? <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about Google I.O. We're talking about Dub Dub here, guys. Come on. 
Right. And, yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, there is some speculation. That's part of the reason they're having Google IO in Mountain View is to talk yeah. about the car. Hmm. So we we talked about booking your hotel in advance, and if you do manage to get a ticket for WWDC, there are conference rates for several hotels, and they have a separate booking website typically for for booking through that for for those uh, discounted rooms. But uh, I, I think a lot of people tend to use WWDC as an excuse for for company meetups like especially if you have remote teams and people a lot of people go out to san francisco during the event whether they get tickets or not and all conf is one of the reasons people do that so can't get into wwdc you can go down the street to alt conf yeah hey you know we should say that this podcast should come out on thursday morning and if you listen to it right away, you haven't already heard, the registration for the lottery is open until Friday. Do you guys know what time? Friday? Sometime Pacific. I, I couldn't translate yeah. it. So it's I just. April just... 22nd, 10 a.m. <laughs> Pacific time. Okay. There you go. So about 1 o'clock Eastern time. And then so, the lottery closes at that time and and people right. are selected at random on Monday, April Monday. 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific. Yeah. Well, so it I'm seems a- like they'll probably do a couple rounds, too, that they normally do. I don't know if they've done so many rounds anymore since they charge your card right away. Before, people were... Uh, last year, did they only do one round? I I didn't even put in last year because I had a... A kid do that week, so I didn't even bother. But. I think it's so yeah. hidden batches, like even charging credit cards and sending out emails. Oh yeah, it takes a little too. bit of time to for five thousand of them. So yeah, I, if I recall, it was still batched up in in groups. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping Apple will give me a nice little birthday present on Monday, since that's the day of my birthday. <laughs> of course, it's a birthday present where I get to spend sixteen hundred dollars, but. Hey. Plus airfare, <laughs> plus hotel. Yeah. But he's going to spend that anyways. It sounds like he's going to alt comp if he doesn't make it a dub dub. Is that true or are you, it's a dub dub or bust for you, Sam? I'm, I'm already going to 360i dev. So uh, alt comp is a tougher sell for me. Okay. I, I, I did enjoy streaming the sessions last year. They had a lot of good quality topics and speakers i'm just just not really sure i got other got a lot of stuff going on this summer now that's fair i i skipped out a lot of conferences last year so today my plan is i'm going to san francisco one way or the other um if i don't get into dub dub i'm going to alt conf i just saw on twitter that they uh five hours ago as we record uh they're asking for top submissions so Looks like Alt Cop 2016 is definitely a go, and will be the same time as as Dub Dub. Um, so I'll I'll be there one way or the other. What about you, Alex? I'm on the fence. I I could go either way. I I think I, I think I'm leaning towards going out there, even if I don't get tickets. But I'm I might change my mind. We'll see. 
it is a pretty big expense. This happens to yeah. be the first year that the conference doesn't fall in conflict with my anniversary, so... Oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> so, at least the first year, probably in the last six years. It's a guilt-free WWDC trip for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I put my name in the lottery the last two years and didn't get selected, so I don't know. I don't know if that hurts or helps my chances. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of scared. I'm trying to figure out if I should submit multiple accounts, but then you have the risk of getting your card charged twice and having two tickets that you can't use. I don't know. I'm torn on this. They're not transferable, but the odds of you getting both of them selected is pretty low. Probably it, it depends on it depends on the zero, demand this but... year. It it may not be as low this year of, of odds. Oh. oh, I think the demand is still going to be high. Probably. I yeah, I have a feeling. I think the first year I tried to go was 2010, and it took almost five days to at least five days I think to sell out and. The second year, yeah, in the year after that, <laughs> it sold out in in a day or two. It was hours instead of days, and then after that, it's it's been minutes or seconds. Minutes. Their servers are always crashing, and yeah, the the lottery system is probably a better system. I did kind of like the first come first serve because it kind of forced the faithful to. Because you didn't, you didn't know when they were going to be announced. You, you just had to kind of sh- wake up one morning and find out the tickets were on sale, and book them. Yeah. So, or you had to let your script that you were running on your Mac Mini that was scraping the Apple website tell you that they're <laughs> yeah. running. So I had yeah, that was always. I had fun. three different scripts running, including there was a company or a group of people that were doing an SMS service. So you registered, they monitored it for you, and they would send out SMS messages. But I think they found out the hard way. Yeah. (laughs) I think they found that that doesn't scale. (laughs) So uh, I have to send out 100,000 SMS messages all at once. It was good that I had three different scripts running because two out of the three uh, early warning (laughs) systems I had failed. Yeah. Yeah. Although that it screws over people who uh, have to get like approval from their from their boss and yeah, and it was usually somewhere around oh, eight or nine in the morning stuff. in Eastern time, uh, but California you know, Pacific time it was middle of the night. So you know it's it was hard to be fair to everybody. The lottery yeah. is a little bit more balanced. I feel like it's a little weighted. For people who've never been before. Well, there was one year where they pre-announced when they were going to go on sale. Yeah. And then everybody did. And uh, one of my coworkers, he logged into his Apple account and then was seeing somebody else's data. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) they had some scaling session issues there. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good stuff. So needless to say, he didn't get a ticket that year. So, Do we want to say anything about student scholarships? Yeah, if you're a student, um, and I, I think they also 
have some scholarships for STEM programs. So there's other ways to get to WWDC, cheaper ways as well. Uh, you can earn yourself a student scholarship, but I've known uh, some high school students who have done that before. It's I think that makes a huge difference on your resume. And you actually get more of a backstage pass to WWDC as a student. You get to sit down with Tim Cook and uh, go behind the scenes and, and talk to people that most of us don't necessarily get to talk to. Yeah, they have their own special area and stuff. It's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think they have a design award for students too. So imagine like coming out of high school with an Apple design award and having met the executives at Apple. That, that can go a long way. Even at the Bash, they have their own special balcony area. But I think that's... Is that where there's no alcohol? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. But I remember seeing Johnny Ive up in there. Yeah, I mean, there's pictures of um, Tim Cook talking to the students, and I think a few of the other Apple executives talk to them. And, and honestly, everybody seems to be very approachable. Tim Cook will pose for pictures and talk to you about your apps. Uh, Craig Frigoretti will... And his hair. Yeah, and his mm -hmm. hair will... He, he goes to the sessions, usually sits in the back, and he's very approachable. And Sam, you got your picture with Craig a couple years I did. ago. Yeah, last uh, last WWDC I went to. I hung out at the bash a little too long, and there were, I f saw a crowd of people kind of backstage or for what passes as a stage there. And lo and behold, it was Craig taking pictures with people, so I just waited my turn and and the the mob and we did the objective c gang sign together which he'd never heard of <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can have a link to the picture in the show notes no no <laughs> no i think we should if you don't luckily, put it in there sam i'll find it and put it in there <laughs> luckily i'm editing this week <laughs> i can still edit show notes um, anyways, so we've talked a bunch about Dub Dub. That was kind of the big news this week. There were some other things that happened in the past week. Um, another, one, another conference one piece. from another big company. Yeah, so, uh, Facebook had their F8 conference, and there wasn't that much mobile news this year, it seems like. Um, although there are a couple of things here and there, but one of the big focuses, it seems like, uh, was on bots. And I've seen articles that are like, Bots are the new apps. People don't have to do apps anymore because they'll just use bots in the future. And then there's these other articles that are like, yeah, bots aren't all that. Uh, so what, what do you guys think about bots? Uh, I, I think Slack and, and some of these messaging tools are getting a lot of fanfare these days. And, and I think Slack was their valuation was in the billions of dollars and to some degree justified because they do have an extremely large number of users as well as paid users. I think I did the calculation and of how many paid users they have and they, they make lots of money every month, uh, from their paid accounts and Slack and, and all these messaging tools. I think doesn't Facebook have a new messaging tool? I don't yeah, know. They have, well, they've got, 
bot integration into their messaging tool. Yeah, that was their that was the big thing about bots at F eight is that you can now build bots for Messenger. I thought they or or one of the other social networks had a new messaging tool. Not not that Facebook didn't already have several. Well, I think WeChat, which Facebook owns, uh, had launched bots a while ago, and I guess it has been successful in whatever measurement they measure that in, and that's part of the reason why Facebook is doing bots for Messenger, and it seems like the biggest reason, I guess, why this is a big deal is just because of the the number of users that Facebook Messenger has. It kind of makes all the other things, even Slack, pale in comparison. I mean, they've yeah. got a billion users in one day using Facebook, so... Yeah, and, and Facebook kind of forced people to start using their messaging client as well, at least on mobile. So, yeah. you know, they... I can definitely see the argument. You can easily argue that for sure. these messaging tools are are pretty much IRC, not even re envisioned, just with a better interface. <laughs> like, like even d- down to like the slash commands on Slack, they're not really that far off from the slash commands that that we had in I- IRC in the '90s, and we had bots in the '90s too for IRC. So we're kind of seeing seeing the past kind of be revisited and bots are definitely handy and they're the AIs these days are probably a little bit better than they were back in the nineties. But you know, when it comes down to it, it's pretty much the same old technology, just a better interface. Yeah. That's the part that I guess I'm not getting is like, okay, now you can, order yourself an Uber from Messenger instead of the Uber app, or you can order yourself some Domino's pizza. It's real easy to integrate these tools with like bots using webhooks. So I, I can definitely see why that is compelling. It's just, there's no way that I know of to monetize bots directly. Like I, I think the end game is to get acquired. Well, if you can, maybe sell pizzas why can't you just sell pet food with bots oh you can you can have a big sock puppet sure bot selling <laughs> pet food yeah i can i can definitely see like amazon and other companies um tying into it i i think was it domino's or somebody would let you order um pizza uh with text messaging or through twitter they'll do it through twitter and i think the pizza emoji <laughs> One of them, I don't know if it's Papa John's or Domino's, does it through the Amazon Echo as well. Yeah, it seems like the people who talk about, you know, bots are going to kill everything else, it seems like their big thing is there's not going to be all these individual bots you interact with. You're going to have, like, your one bot that you can do everything through, and they're going to have this awesome AI. And I guess I'm just skeptical of that ever happening. Uh, Maybe it will. Maybe there's some other thing that we're missing about why bots are such a paradigm shift uh to use that phrase and intentionally in a bad way (laughs) (laughs) they're like unless you have a way to generate revenue other ways of generating revenue from the bots there's no marketplace for a bot i mean it is really handy to have slack or some tool like that and integrate all these other systems, usually through some sort of webhook or simple, simple plugin. So that part of it's nice. It's just, how do you monetize it? And 
Yeah. Well, if you have this magical AI bot, I guess, that can do everything and hooks up to all these other services, I'm sure it could be kind of like a payment processor in that you're kind of that middleman and you get a super small little tiny cut of everything that goes through you. I mean, that seems like a potential way to monetize yeah. bots. But... Or you could be collecting data about everybody who uses your bot and selling that data yeah, to other people. Yeah, there's that too. Um, or both. <laughs> you might be able to have the bot provide advertising as a response to messages. You know, you want to order pizza and go ahead. We've also been wishing that Apple would open up Siri to third-party developers for a long time now. And Siri is a great bot interface, right? Yeah, and I, I think Amazon Echo is a good example of that where where you have a voice-driven system that is open and you can easily integrate third-party services into it. Yeah. So, you know, Siri is, is definitely falling behind that, that voice assistant model. In part, it's the privacy concerns of... Yeah, of, I think Apple's holding Siri back here on that on that front. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's not that... Siri could have integration because it's client side. I think, I think it's more challenging. Uh, the AI is a lot more challenging because services can't share data as easily. Yeah, I mean they tried to make that be the big push for iOS nine, where they have all this smart client side AI stuff on your phone, and you know they they did some stuff, but it's still not as either magical or creepy depending on how you look at it is like opening up google now on a in your web browser or on an android devices oh you mean that you mean that screen when you swipe left too far yeah by accident some people use it on purpose and it's like i said it's magical or creepy depending on your your point of view but it's better than siri alexa is better than siri so yeah, I, I don't know. Everything I've Something's heard has, has said that Alexa is way ahead in the the voice assistant space in terms of its intelligence and quality mm-hmm. as well as its integration. So yeah, so we might see see something related to that at, at WWDC this year. But yeah, maybe that'd be nice. I I think Apple's commitment to privacy probably won't change and. And I think we'll only see it get stronger. So unless they figure out a way to provide integration on the device that doesn't share data. Well, well, the way you access it through Echo and Alexa is you have to ask it to ask this thing to do something. So you, you say something like Alexa, ask whatever to do something. And you could easily do that on your phone. Ask Siri to ask whatever app to do something or what something is. Hey, you know, ask Yelp where the coolest restaurant is. That could be something. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to have an API to, to expose that stuff as a user, and maybe there'd be some cool business ways to use it too, but... Yeah, we'll have to see where this stuff all goes. I just don't see people talking to their phones all that much in public. I don't. That's, At least when you do, like you the, wish they wouldn't. Yeah. 
It's, it kind of reminds me of the people that had the Bluetooth headsets that you didn't know if they were crazy walking down the street or, or just normal people. Well, not normal people, but people with headsets that you couldn't see. Especially when you work downtown, you, you're kind of like, is that guy crazy talking <laughs> to himself? That's yeah, a fifty-fifty chance. <laughs> Maybe we'll get an Alexa-like Siri device that's always on and listening to stuff. Well, isn't, Although that, that isn't seems that, to be counter to the privacy concerns again. But isn't so that like doing right now. isn't that Apple TV? You know, it's got the voice assistant on it. You had to push the button, but yeah, you got to push the button. That's that's hard. You got to find the remote and push the button. <laughs> Finding the remote. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but I'm good at losing remotes in my house. You got to pick it up the right way. Yeah. <laughs> Now you, you do it once, you hit a button, and then you have to look down. Oh, got to flip it, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a 6S, your phone is listening to you right now. Yep. Yeah, maybe it's your phone. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. But yeah. I think uh, you know people are probably more likely to know and have their phone with them, know where it is and have their phone with them than to have the Siri remote, but... I don't know. I, it's definitely a space that is evolving and, and growing. And I think we'll see a lot of, we'll see the big companies competing to dominate. Amazon's got a good play there. Google is either on par, maybe a little bit ahead of Apple because they don't limit themselves by, uh, making your information private. No, they're definitely ahead. Uh, yeah, I don't see this as a gold rush for indie devs. Do you? No. Like I said, there's no marketplace for it, so you've got to think about other ways of monetizing a bot. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think a yeah. good example of a company who's jumping in onto that bandwagon, FlowXO, which is like a Zapier uh, workflow tool to integrate different apps. And they had a you know, a really nice product uh, in a lot of ways, a lot, lot more flexible than some of their competitors. They just announced that they're going to shut down that part of the business and focus on building bots for things like Slack. And hmm. it'll be interesting to see uh, how they monetize that. Maybe, yeah. and, and, and maybe that's the, the next big opportunity is build a marketplace. Well, I guess you could make a fart app for Siri. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> a fart app. Well, a fart app for bot for Slack or any of these other tools. <laughs> um, you know, in some degree, that's what Giphy and some of these other bots are. Oh yeah. In fact, you know, the fart app that's is a my... little bit more mature than some of the Giphy apps. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's my main impression of bots, so I'm not big on the bot thing right now. Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to understand like why there's so many people who think there's something that's gonna be big about them, I guess. We I I, I wanna find out, but And we use several on Slack. We'll we'll use on one team we use it to get all the tickets that need to be verified for that day or um launch the stand up for the day. Uh, we've got another one that that will recommend a place to have lunch. I know one team that has a bot on Slack to order lunch for the team and have it delivered. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, we 
tied into our continuous integration, both in updates and you could have it kick off a build from within Slack. So I, I can definitely see the utility of being able to integrate all these things. But, you know, I'll also say that I'm getting to the point that I'm getting Slack fatigue where it's like it's with me everywhere I go. And but that's not because of bots. <laughs> it's, no, no, it's not because of bots. But like, I don't know, like most of these tools, it gets a point where it dominates your life a little bit too much. By the way, if you'd like to connect with us, just go to <laughs> chat. Sheridanstance.com <laughs> and uh, sign up for our Slack channel. Yeah, and it's, he is uh, not fatigued for that one yet. No, no, that that one's a, a good balance. I mean, we got a, a a nice group of folks out there that that chat about relevant topics, but it's not so noisy that you have to mute yeah. it. Well, enough about bots. There is one other interesting thing uh, at the Facebook uh, F8 developer conference, and they release a bunch of memory leak libraries, uh, like things to detect memory leaks. Have you guys looked at these at all? I I saw the announcements, um, but it what I read suggested that it was focused on Objective-C, and it wasn't clear whether or not it would do anything to help capture leaks and cycles with Swift. I'm not sure if it's specifically limited to Objective-C. Maybe it is. Um, they released three tools. There's a retained cycle detector and allocation tracker and a memory profiler. Um, and it looks like the retain cycle detector was based uh, off of Mike Ash's circle project, which kind of did a similar thing. Um, but, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe we'll see over a couple months if if those catch on. It's, it's something to just keep your eye on, I'd say, at this point. I don't know if it, there's something. Yeah, it's probably not anything that you couldn't on. do with instruments, but I think the way I understand it is it's easy to kind of bake that into your build process, so it's constantly monitoring uh for cycles and leaks and excessive allocations. So it's not a static analysis. It's more of a runtime run check. Tool. So yeah. when you're running your unit tests and your CI build, it'll watch for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's a theory. Or you can just run debug builds and do manual testing. But yeah. Um, since we're already all, all out of order, there's one follow-up item, and we, we put it in the show notes last week, but we talked about the Android Swift pull request, and it has been accepted. Uh, there's sounds like there's still some work to do to to make Swift a first-class citizen, potentially, on Android. But yeah. So yeah. do you think it's legit now, Sam, or are you still kind of, uh, I'll believe it when I see it? Well, I want it to come, and this is definitely one major step forward. There, There is, if you look in the documentation directory in the Swift repository, an Android markdown file that'll tell you how to get started. The, the catch is that Foundation right now, I believe, doesn't have any cross-compilation capability. 
So you have to run this run and build from an and from a uh, Linux device. So you cannot build an Android mm-hmm. app in Swift for under OS 10 currently. Do you mean Mac OS? <laughs> <laughs> it's I a, think Apple actually put that on their product page sometime this week too. They they called it Mac OS instead of OS 10. Yeah, it's been mentioned in different spots here and there. It seems like it's that's a thing. Yeah. But regardless, it's it's coming. It's still not quite there. I'll be happy when it does get here. Sounds like you feel like it's been legitimized, though. Oh, definitely. That's a big step. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think I was skeptical before, was I? You seem kind of skeptical. You're like, oh, that's just some random guys talking before a conference. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not Google people. Oh, okay. So this was more about that article. Okay. Uh, I'm skeptical of that article because the people that have done this Android port, I don't believe are Google affiliated. Uh, one of the big guys behind it is also the one who wrote the quick testing framework. He's a Motocache on GitHub. I don't, I don't know what his real name is. I'm sure that's not it. But, um, yeah, so I don't believe he's affiliated with Google in any meaningful way other than maybe liking to port stuff to their platform. So when Google engineers jump in and start contributing to this, then I'll believe that Google is serious about it. But I'm not, I'm not opposed to doing something that's somewhat Apple supported on Android with Swift. I think that makes sense. So one other thing that came across the wire today, if you will, was that um, in the past you could not, there was no way to link to a, to a TV OS app, which seems crazy, uh, but Apple just added support for them. So now there's an actual like app preview page that you can go to if you use like your standard iTunes link with the, um, you know, the ID or any of those other parameters that you can use of a TVOS app. So I guess that's the biggest thing is you can at least see a preview now. There's no buy button. Um, hmm. And I don't know, it still seems like Apple is kind of have, has the TVOS discoverability stuff kind of half baked. It's really a, you know, a far, far cry from what you can do with Google, where you just go to Google Play from any any website and you can install it remotely on your device, which yeah, I find really useful. That's a that's a nice feature. Yeah, and it doesn't. It's not a hard technical feature to implement, so I'm not sure. Maybe maybe we'll hear some more dub dub about this. Maybe they're just getting things ready to say, oh, now we really have discoverability of TVOS stuff. So I I have to imagine we'll see some more evolution of the TVOS SDK at WWDC. Um, Also this week there was a small hardware announcement. Uh, We finally have new MacBooks. Uh, The pros haven't been refreshed yet, but the the new MacBook that was that came out not so long ago has been refreshed with the Skylake processor and rose gold color is now available. Yeah, there's nothing really big about this. The the biggest thing to me is that they're a little less crappy and the fact that there weren't Retina MacBook Pro announcements 
tells us that there are bigger things coming for that. Otherwise, they would have just done a little spec bump like this. Yeah, so I, that gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah, I think, you know, personally, I'm expecting to see new Mac Pros possibly thinner, multiple colors, and with the faster Skylake processor and better graphics cards. I'm a little disappointed in the MacBooks because they're still, they still max out at 8 gig. You know, I'm not not sure who buys a uh, a computer these days with with just 8 gig on it, but I guess there's people out there people who do. People who buy MacBooks, regular MacBooks do, I think. It's not a developer machine by any means, I'd, but... I'd be half tempted to get a MacBook because it's a nice small device, computer, uh, very lightweight, very thin, uh, but the not being able to bump up the memory is a bit limiting. Just wait till you see the new 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro, Alex. Yeah, yeah I suspect, cool. I don't know how much lighter they'll be, but I suspect they'll be you know, a little thinner, maybe a little lighter. I'm calling it now, they're going to be MacBook Air-sized. But it, it could be. Yeah. We'll see. Don't think we'll hear any anything more about that until June, but there's a good chance we'll see a refresh of the pros. Yeah. It's unfortunate because now I wish that I could just skip over the entire month of May <laughs> and hit dub dub. <laughs> You'll survive. So Yeah. It'll it'll be here before I know it. Yeah. So I think that's all the time we have tonight. You guys want to tell everyone where you can be found on the internet? Nope. <laughs> no? <laughs> you can find me at Alex Argo on Twitter. And you can find me at Sam Corder on Twitter. And I'm AJ Robinson on Twitter. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at sharedinstance.com. And you can send us email at sharedinstancepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at sharedinst. Nailed it. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Well, have a good night. Good yep. luck in your lottery. And good luck to our listeners that want to get in the lottery, too. Hope to see yep. some of you there or all of you there. <laughs>